Welcome to Indian Prairie Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Pease. In today's episode, we'll have a conversation about computational thinking and the importance of teaching it to our students. Last year, our district was awarded a National Science Foundation grant to create a systemic plan for teaching computational thinking to our students. This grant is in partnership with two other districts, Talladega County in Alabama and Iowa City, as well as with Digital Promise. We're excited to move into our second year of this grant. Computational thinking can be found currently in a variety of our courses at both middle and high school levels. Joining us today, we've invited two of the educators well-versed in this area for our district to tell us more about the exciting possibilities for our students. Welcome, Brian and Megan. Will you take a minute and introduce yourselves, please? Hi, my name is Brian Jovany. I'm the Director of Innovation for District 204. I'm Megan Tillotson, and I'm an Instructional Technology Teacher at Hill and Gregory Middle Schools. Great. Let's start the conversation by defining and describing computational thinking. At the beginning, Kathy mentioned uh, that we are in a grant with uh, two other school districts and Digital Promise to help define computational thinking in a K-12 space. Because if you look at a number of different uh, places out there, they define it a little bit differently. And we adopted the ISTE definition for our school district. Our goal is to help all learners become computational thinkers who can harness the power of computing to innovate and solve problems, which is, as you can see from that definition, directly aligned to some of our portrait of graduate uh, competencies. And what that definition really means, it starts to break down that we're trying to ask our students to think like computational computer scientists in solving problems. As we're looking through that process, Megan's going to describe some of the details of what those are, but to kind of the background of that whole computational thinking and why it's important for our kids is because we're starting to see these skills are needed in all disciplines, not only just in computer science fields. And one of the best visuals that kind of helped me wrap around uh, my, or helped me wrap around this uh, skill was when we looked at coding 10 years ago, was, coding was the skill. Then we started talking about computer science as an academic discipline when the White House and President Obama really talked about CS for all and kind of bringing that whole mindset. Well, now that as technology has advanced and now we're seeing these things embedded in all careers, it's really a skill that all of our kids need no matter what career it is. So I'm going to let Megan kind of define what that is a little bit and what that means. Um, that's kind of the background of what computational thinking is. So um, on my way here, I actually went through the drive-thru at Starbucks, and uh, the gentleman asked what I was up to this morning, and I said, I'm going to um, the district office to record a podcast on computational thinking. And he kind of looked at me, and he said, it sounds complicated, it sounds like math, it sounds like science. And I said, you know, it's actually not that complicated. I said, um, I think a lot of the skills and the structure of what computational thinking is, he had probably experienced in his education, and I had in mind but it's only recently become um, really form formalized and um, kind of systematic as an approach to solve problems. Um, a quote that I love that I discovered recently, um, a Finnish illustrator and computer scientist who's doing a lot in computer science education, she shared that all, all big problems are tiny problems stuck together. And that really stuck with me. I'm like, that's true. If we can have our students um, approach really big, complex problems and recognize, have a systematic approach to 
um, tackling whatever problem that is, then we can really make them successful no matter what career or field they end up in. So um, at, at its best, it's a really deep thinking. It's a problem-solving skill, which involves looking at a problem and solving it systematically. And that's, I think, the, one of the greatest benefits to our students is having a structure and not being intimidated by a really complex problem. So the four pillars um, for computational thinking, the first is deco decomposition. And again, it's kind of that fancy word. It's like, what is what does that mean? And it's simply breaking a big problem down into manageable parts. So for a student, I hope for my own children, tiny children, two-year-old, three-year-old, and for our students, that they'll be able to not be intimidated by complex problems. And um, again, this idea of computational thinking, this structure, um, really empowers them. So at that first step, they're breaking a problem down. And a funny example I came across recently was the idea of a student cleaning their room. And this might be like to younger students or maybe older students as well, um, a big complex problem. Like, where do I start? Where do I tackle this kind of huge issue of kind of clean. overwhelming. Yeah, mm -hmm. cleaning my room, right? Mm -hmm. All the different pieces. And the decomposition stage would be breaking it up like let me start by getting all my clothes off the floor. So it's taking this really big, maybe obscure thing and looking at the smaller manageable pieces. So decomposition is the first pillar. Um, the second pillar is pattern recognition. So looking at patterns or trends within a problem, spotting similarities, things that belong together. Um, this is especially helpful to reuse, recall solutions. So if we can figure out in one setting or context where this solution might work and we recognize a pattern or similarity, we may be able to apply that later. And Do the same thing again. Exactly, and recall it. So the pattern recognition um, an obvious example is music. There's patterns like in every discipline, language. Um, yeah, those are just a few. And so that uh, the second thing is just identifying the similarities um, and things that are in common. What 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 do different problems have in common? That's the second thing. And then the third um, is abstraction. So this, I think, is maybe the most intimidating. You're like, what is abstraction? It seems kind of vague, but it's the process of taking out the details that don't matter. And for me, when I look at our students, I'm like, to identify what is valuable in every discipline in all of our lives, I think weeding out that process of weeding out is a very, it's a mature and deeply critical thinking skill. And then the fourth pillar, fourth and final pillar of computational thinking is the algorithm piece. And um, the idea of algorithmic thinking and people algorithm, it's kind of like a weird and tricky word. You know, people always think programming, like coding, algorithm. And really, if you have um, made a cup of tea or tied your shoelaces, you're following an algorithm. It's literally, or made a recipe, which I love cooking. It's such a concrete example for students that there's all these different pieces. We follow patterns and similarities, and the algorithm is simply the, the following through of steps or commands. So that's the final piece. Um, and a, a, a thing to note, I think, in our conversation of computational thinking, that jump between the thinking structure, like that complex um, problem-solving process, which is really what we're engaged in across all disciplines, and then the coding piece, because programming is an awesome, awesome way. It's a tool, and it's a language. It's a skill set that you can use to then 
harness the power of a computing device, but computational thinking is what humans do and it's a thought process. And that's kind of um, what we're all about is really the deeper level thinking. And and um, like I said, with this structure, these four components, the decomposition, the pattern recognition, abstraction, and then the algorithm or algorithmic thinking, um, those four components in computational thinking are what gives students the structure to approach the complex problems. And I love that in your explanation, none of the examples that you talked about were math and science, because we do think of it as math and science, and it does apply so clearly to math and science, but all of your examples were just in real life um, and just moving through life. And so if your barista would have uh, listened to the rest of the explanation, would have found out that probably using some algorithms... Well, I'm sure it's Starbucks he's using yes. some computational thinking, what's mm-hmm. what's going on there and how demanding customers are. I in a funny way, I was thinking about this context of like what does computational thinking look like for my, you know, my I'm always thinking about my two year old and my three year old and what where will they land and how will they use these skills? And I think again, that idea of not being intimidated by a complex problem. And that's something we want for all of us, right. even for myself. And um yeah, the computational thinking, it really gives you a structure to attack those those difficult problems. We had a unique conversation uh, at a meeting that was at one time, defi- as we were defining computational thinking a little bit, we started to throw out the term uh, computational literacies and the idea of a student being able to engage with these concepts as they enter the workforce or just anything when they're, uh, when a challenge or a problem is presented to them. Are they able to pull those out of their toolbox and engage with that when it, when they need to? Um, because they may not all become computer scientists. That's okay. But as Megan was saying, you're going to have to be able to engage with these concepts in all disciplines and wherever you go kind of in the future. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that some kids come to us naturally thinking that way. I mean, we've seen it for years, and they've tended towards those careers and those types of courses. But what we're understanding now about the workforce is that everybody's going to need to think that way. Even So we're starting, you know, looking at even how to help kindergartners process information and look at problems in that way, which I think is very exciting. And I think the value of articulating the process, and that's what I was sharing with the barista for a moment. I said, you know, I think you have done computational thinking, and I have too. It wasn't always named that, but the value of giving them that roadmap, like this is the structure, and noting it in other disciplines because it's things that teachers are already doing and the skills are being taught, but they don't always identify and know, oh, that's what recognizing a pattern is, or that's why it's beneficial for me to have an algorithm or a solution that I can recall for other situations. Brian, were there a couple of other um, components of it that I know uh, Megan did a nice job of explaining the four pillars, but there are a couple other ideas that we're working with in our district. Yeah, so those four pillars you're going to see in most uh, research and big companies who are looking at this, Microsoft, Google, ISD, Digital Promise, have identified those four as the true pillars of computational thinking. As a district, from our research and conversations from professionals, we also identified two other pillars that we wanted to kind of attached to our work because we're imp- we think they're important skills for our kids as they leave our district. One is working with data, the idea of collection, representation, analysis. The more and more we see of big data and he- 
the idea of big data helping solve problems and finding patterns and how it all connects with other things. We think that's an important skill for our kids to really be able to engage with as they go through our K-12 district. And the last one is creating computational artifacts. The reason this one was important, it was kind of added late. Uh, there's a lot of research behind models. You'll see models in, you know, the um, mathematical and science standards. So we thought that was a nice way to tie them together. In addition, we've talked a lot about design thinking and how does design thinking and computational thinking different and how are they the same, but also looking at these four pillars and breaking down a problem. Ultimately, we're creating a solution to this and what is that prototype? So that's why we created computational artifacts and kind of added that at the end so they could see the endpoint for computational thinking, that it wasn't just a big, big idea and thought that we're actually doing a problem-solving process here, and you're going to end up with something at the end. When you talk about big data, are you talking about a lot of data? Are you talking about large data? Can you explain just a little bit about big data? Just talking about it all. So just the idea of now that we have the idea of algorithms and anything, um, the amount of data that a computer can collect or we can collect now from a company, just think about in your in your Gmail or your email account on the promotion side on how a company is able to collect all that data and then write an algorithm so that they can personalize the promotions to me based on people who have similar interests to me, similar demographics, similar age, and can target that to me because of that, or Netflix or anything else that goes with that can help um, a company target their promotions or anything else. And then even a company as they try and problem solve and what they're trying to do for their uh, for their customer base, looking at the big data and what the trends are. So when I've looked at something on Amazon and then every time I pull up a different screen, what I looked at at Amazon comes back at me, that's yes. because somebody used some big data yes. to figure that out. <laughs> yes, they did. And some algorithms behind the scenes. I heard a story one time that Netflix doesn't, I don't want to, it might have to delete this out, Clayton. <laughs> but uh, Netflix doesn't have actually that many new things in their database, but their algorithms are so good that it looks like, because of how they do predictions, that they actually, their algorithms allow you to show them that they have more than what they actually do in their database. So it's a unique twist on how algorithms are used to deceive the customer a little bit and showcase what they have. It's exciting, too, when we talk about data in some of these kind of new and developing units these past few years and students can recognize like how data is being used and um, see it in the real world. Because really, in this economy, data is maybe arguably the most valuable thing, both for us to protect our own, which is something that we talk about, and also how it's being used for, um, like you said, for customizing kind of personal recommendations. and Even sports. Think about uh, you, Darvish, was a, recently on a Twitter exchange with a sports broadcaster about what pitch to throw on an 0-2 count. And the he's like, no, it is a fastball uh, in the upper left-hand corner of the strike zone. And that's all because of big data they can grab and pull out and just all the things that and football coaches and what what play is going to be most successful because of past experience, the defense that they have, and all those things. It's It's everywhere. So where are we now with our students? I know you, uh, we talked a little bit about there's some courses at middle and high school, but can you explain a little bit about how we've approached it? Um, and then where? what's the forecast? Where are we going with our students? So I'll share a little bit about um, kind of the fun and really exciting things that are happening at the middle school level. Um, I teach 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, and over the past few years, we've been developing some um, new computer science kind of based 
um, curriculum approaches. And I think some of the most exciting for me is looking, like we just talked about, at this idea of data and um, identifying how it's being collected. Traditionally, in the past, when we talked about data, it would be primarily the discussion would be around spreadsheets and how you know you organize data and how that looks. And now, as we've seen in the world, just this incredible surge of how data is being collected and gathered, like just incredibly, we it's astounding to look at um, the opportunities, even that students have to collect data instantaneously, and teachers too, and then what we can do with that data. So students looking, like Brian mentioned, Netflix, and we talk about in class how you know Netflix isn't just reading your mind um, when they recommend something that you actually enjoy. That there's a lot that goes behind the scenes, um, and ways that they're um, able to make those accurate predictions about you and your interests. So we do. Um, we have a data unit where we do kind of a mix of both. I think the the organizing data and looking at spreadsheets is extremely valuable because when you have the data, you have to sort it and look for predictions and do all those things to find the value, to identify the patterns and then deeper. Um, and we actually do get into sixth grade, we write algorithms. So we look at um, a vacation recommendation and they create looking at a set of data looking at um, the probability based on that data like if um, a a person wanted to go hiking according to this data collection you know the likelihood is they also might like to do a b or c activity and we compare that to like if i like jim carrey movies and my friend likes jim carrey movies you know i may also enjoy another show they like. So making those real world connections and then um, students are, yeah, writing, actually handwriting an algorithm, going through that process and then testing or running their algorithm on their neighbors and kind of seeing like how accurate, you know, their algorithm was. So I think that process is really rich looking at data and how it's used. Um, And that's at sixth grade. Yeah, that's That's at sixth grade. That's amazing. And really fun. Like they, I've been wowed, completely impressed with the kids and how um, really at all levels in my classroom, I've seen kids succeed and get really excited when their algorithm works. It's kind of a, a lengthy process and something that is intimidating. And when they get through it, we're all like, it worked, you know, it's exciting. Um, and another component of sixth grade um, that I think is awesome and relates really well to this um, problem solving process is looking at um, problem solvers. One of the um, looking at the process of solving problems. And one of the um, kind of stories I highlight is the story of Louis Braille and how he was arguably one of the only child inventors who is hundreds of years later, his invention is still, it's changed the world. He was sick, very sick, um, in a condition like at a, at a school, 12, 13 years old, worked for three years, kind of iterating this military code because he was determined he wanted to learn how to read. And so we talk about what it means to be a problem solver and how he approached this big problem. They, you know, people thought he was crazy. They kind of dismissed him and he went on to create braille, which as the students, you know, we all go down the hall and I have them touch the little braille outside and I'm like, he changed the world. And um, so we do, we look at systematically what it takes to solve a problem and then those components. So yeah, a few things at sixth grade, we do um, get into programming. We do block-based programming, which is um, developed by Harvard and Berkeley, which kind of simulates the idea of what it takes to build a program without kind of Putting the small pieces together. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. the frustration of like the syntax. So 
yeah, a few really exciting things at sixth grade and more stuff in seventh and eighth, but um, it's been fun. Yeah. We also at the high school level start to have some dedicated computer science classes and some classes that have a pathway for that programming skill and where we get some JavaScript and some writing, some apps and some of those things. But really our next step is kind of really starting to be more explicit and sharing out this terminology and what is computational thinking, why is it important? We've talked about future ready uh, for the past couple of years in our district and just can evolving that conversation and how this connects to that. And it's a skill that all, all of our students are going to need to be able to engage with as they move through. So being uh, intentional about our language, uh, being explicit where we're seeing it happen in our classroom, and also finding some curricular connections where it's not happening, but it could happen. And we could decompose problems and look for patterns and be intentional about that process and kind of building that pathway for al algorithm design. Uh, throughout the K-12 uh, system. So very exciting things to come ahead and um, more to share with everyone as a whole. And so it is not so scary, as Megan said, when we see a, uh, when we go to Starbucks next time, they won't be scared <laughs> about it. They'll be like, oh, I know what that is. Well, and I wonder too for, you know, we're not looking to make this completely separate. So you just have to be in a computer science or a computational thinking course. You know, when you talk about looking for places that we can put pattern recognition and decomposition of a problem and things like that, that could be within a lot of different disciplines. I think about like the study of language and like all of the patterns that are happening there, how we're recalling structure or grammatic, you know, grammar um, structure and language that and music too. There's so many that really are utilizing a lot of these features, but we haven't maybe been as familiar with the name, which that, like Brian said, the coming together behind a common vocabulary and unifying is going to um, be a good step moving forward. Are we thinking about some professional learning that might help teachers uh, learn a little bit more about this? Absolutely. We are, uh, we have a, we have a handful of uh, teachers who are going to pilot it this year and start to look in come in to learn a little bit more about it and talk about computational thinking and their grade level, their discipline and what that means. And then we'll start continue to evolve that so that we hit all of our K-12 educators to really build some language behind it. What does it mean? Why is it important for kids? I think that's the most important thing. We want to build the why behind it because we're not just doing it to do it. Um, we think and know that this is going to be some really important skills for our kids to be able to engage with as they leave us. Uh, and it's just going to continue to evolve. The If you look at the data, the number one job right now is com in, in computing. And it's not just in STEM fields. It's in all fields. And the number one new source of uh, actual job money related to it is in computing as well. So we know that this field is growing and that all disciplines are going to have to engage with it. Even in you think of tr your traditional manufacturing jobs, if you walk into an Amazon, the Amazon employees are working right alongside robots. And so they're going to have to be engaged with this process as well. So no matter what you enter, no matter where you go, these concepts are going to be really important to you. So that why is going to be really important for us. Well, I'd like to thank both you and Megan today for your time. We appreciate it. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us? I'm just excited to continue to talk about computational thinking. And Megan has some awesome examples that I know we'll be tapping her to share with the masses as well. So yeah, I think it's it's such an exciting time to be a part of um, technology and what's happening in, in our district. I think that it's really exciting just moving forward, looking at the different things our students are engaging with and to be a part of that is um, it's really fun. 
That's awesome. We'd like to thank um, today Janet Bulio and Clayton Urbanic for making this podcast happen. We hope you um, enjoyed learning more about computational thinking. If you want more information, please email us at support at ipsd.org and someone from the team will get back to you and share some information and help you uh, dig in a little bit more. As always, we'd like to thank you for your time today and we hope you enjoyed being a part of this conversation.